You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. See you guys. Um, I got my friend with me here. This is Spiritual Steve. Well, if you haven't met him yet, um, we've been talking with Steve, Steve-O, over the last series. And I just found out that Steve-O here is going to be on a t-shirt coming soon. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, my artwork is going to be on a t-shirt. I'm so excited. <laughs> my mom's going to be so proud of me. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, so this has been, been what we've been working through this series. And this series called Engage. And today is the last week that I'm preaching in this series. Next week all of us are preaching, right? St. Francis of Sissy said, preach as often as you can, and when necessary, use words. And so next week, we as a church are going to preach by how we go and serve and love and engage in our community around us. And, and there's some exciting things and exciting opportunities coming with that. And uh, so I'm going to finish this up. And so if you got your Bible, go to Acts chapter 20. And uh, we're also going to stop in Romans chapter 12 for just a, a brief moment. And then the bus is going to get to Acts 20 pretty quickly. Um, but we've been really wrestling with this idea in this series, how do we grow spiritually? Because this weekend is baptism weekend. It's one of my favorite weekends that we get to do because we get to see the tangible evidence of that life change. God's already done the work and we get to celebrate the baptisms and we get to celebrate what God has done internally in the, in the renewing of a mind, the transforming of a heart, and then engaging. And, and kind of what we love around here at the creek is, is uh, you lead them to Jesus, you baptize them because um, we want your hands to be engaged. But after they get out of this tank, we start this process of you got to grow spiritually. It's time to grow spiritually. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And we kind of push in this this mode of growing spiritually in our context is kind of the head thing. Like you got to study the Bible. You got to memorize scripture. You got to go to classes. You got to learn these things. And I'm not knocking any of that. But what I'm I'm saying is we tend to get a little imbalanced to say it's all got to be here. It's all got to be done this way. And we kind of do church that way. But but. For some of us, we're heart-first people, and the worship and the engagement is, is, is how we grow. And, and so in, in this room, like when, a few minutes ago, when we're doing How Great Thou Art, I mean, that's an incredible song, an incredible worship opportunity. And, and I'm just, man, my heart is just in it. And, and then we do baptisms. For a heart-first guy, baptism service is awesome um, because everything is, is coming alive. You're feeling it. But then some of us grow by serving. And when I, when I rolled out and said, hey, we're doing a serve Sunday, and you're like, well, it's about time the church should serve. You're like, that's how I feel like I grow. And let me tell you, this serve Sunday, it's just a, I hope it's a catalyst for some of you. We do so much, and we have so many opportunities for you to serve both in the house and out of the house. And so let me, let me help you with something. This service is difficult. If you've got the ability to help people find a seat, then we need you on our team. Like, we need you to help people find seats. I mean, we were, it looked like a baseball game down these aisles. Like, I mean, we, we need your help. So there's places to serve inside the house, but there's a lot going on outside the house. I don't know if you're aware of this or if you've caught this on the announcements the last couple of weeks, but we're working with an elementary school that we've supported since right after we launched the church, Northbrook Elementary. They're doing a, the principal's doing a program called Parent University 
where she wants to help equip the parents because a lot of us parents were like, what do I do? And so she is helping the parents of her elementary school how to be parents, how to develop study habits with your kids, how to raise your kids for success. And so they called us, they called Pastor Tammy, our children's pastor, said, hey, we're gonna have all these families and kids on campus. Would you like to lead a Bible study? To which we responded, yeah. Um, so we're getting, we got invited by a principal to lead a Bible study on, get this, a public school campus. So, um, so don't tell me God's not in school. So there's opportunities to serve in the house and out of the house, and, and uh, I'm grateful for that. And uh, um, we feel like we grow spiritually when we serve. We feel like we grow spiritually when we do these. But ultimately, what God is calling us to is a total response to the things of God, a total response to the message of Jesus a total response when we give all of our life to Christ, a total response in the, the engagement of the community and the mission that he has around us. He wants us to be fully engaged with this whole thing. It's, it's what Paul wrote to the church in Rome that we, we've been looking at this verse every week of this series where he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So when we think about this in the context of our life, that our whole life, our whole body should be a living sacrifice for God. That's how we worship. I mean, I, I love the worship that we just went through. I mean, it was, it was powerful. We had powerful moments um, all weekend so far in worship. And, and, and I love that. But your spiritual worship is how we offer all of ourself to God. And he says, and, and then do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we've got to have a, a renewal out of a system that we're born into to think that, that I, I don't have anything to give people. I don't have to serve anyone. I don't have to do it. Someone else will do this or, or, or just whatever reasoning we come up with. And then he says, then you'll be able to discern the will of God. Then you'll discern. And God says, I will show you what you do. I will lead you in this process. I will guide you in this. And we're all at different places in that journey, and we've got to submit all of ourselves to God so that he can do his work in us and then do his work through us. And one of the men we've been looking at in Scripture throughout this series is his name's Paul. And so three weeks ago, we looked at the radical transformation of, of Paul. He was Saul. He was on the road to Damascus to persecute the church, and he was anti-Jesus. He was breathing out murderous threats. Jesus shows up, radically transforms this dude renews his mind, transforms his heart, and he engages in the mission and the work of Jesus. He's doing the work of the church. And so we start to see in Acts the birth of the church and how the church begins to gain in momentum in this movement that God has started throughout the world. The church cannot be stopped. No matter how much you oppress her or try to put her down, she just comes out stronger. And that's the beauty because God says, what I start Ain't nothing going to stop. And so we, he engages in this mission. We looked at him where God got his mind, and he was, a, he was a head first guy. When you study Paul, he was a thinker. He's the smartest guy in the room. Anytime he comes in, he would be the smartest guy in the room. And, and then we saw last week where God got his heart, where he went miles and miles, traveled all these miles to see people changed and transformed to preach the gospel. And I was really wrestling with how to approach the hand side of this message. And there's so many places we could go in Scripture. 
But God led us to Acts chapter 20. And as I was praying, God, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to teach Acts 20? And I read through the passage probably 20 or 30 times over the last couple weeks going, okay, God, just light it up for me. Light it up. And and, and this kept coming up. This this verse 7 kept coming up. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. So what's happening is, is Paul's been in this region, and he's getting ready to leave Macedonia. He's getting ready to leave this whole area, and he knows he's going back to Jerusalem, and he knows that, that he's never going to see these people again on this side of eternity. And so what, what does he do? He's gathering them, and he wants to just pour as much wisdom and as much knowledge as he can into them. And so he gathers them up, and he knew he was leaving the next day, so he did this. He prolonged his speech until midnight. That's a long church service, y'all. That's a long time. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. He's like, this dude is still going? I used to hear a pastor go, and in closing, I'm like, all right, we got 30 minutes left. God, He would say in closing like 80 times. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Now, when I was, and just say, so you know, I mean, Paul went down, they, he, he revived the guy. But here's what God showed me in these couple verses. I was like, God, what do you want to show me? And God showed me something for me, and then he showed me something to share with you. But I'm going to share with you what he shared with me. The first thing he said, Matt, as a pastor, don't talk too long. It's like, okay. Because the mind can only absorb what the rear end can endure, right? Um, that's why we got nice, comfortable chairs. You know, we're not going to be here till midnight. I love you, but <laughs> no, I don't have that many words. And then here's the other caution. He said, this is what you need to share with the church. Don't let yourself get too comfortable. The problem is we, we get so comfortable in church, and it comes all about talking, and it all becomes all about one-sided discipleship that we get too comfortable, we get lulled to sleep, and we get taken up dead. And, and the reality is there's too many churches that get too comfortable and they end up losing their effectiveness of ministry. And they get too comfortable, they fall out, and they, keep, they get taken up dead. And, and, and Paul is, is, is teaching them, but I think there's some warnings that we can see. I mean, it says there were many lamps in the room. And so, I mean, what, what are the things around us that keep us too comfortable from doing the work of God? And so, I mean, it was an incredible moment. I mean, he's teaching them. Dude falls out the window like he's dead. Paul's like, no, he's not. There's still life in him. He raises the dead. Now, if you fall asleep, I'm not gonna come down and wake you up and be like, okay, he's good. I'm gonna keep preaching. I'll be like, oh man, God, am I talking too long? Because that's the Holy Spirit. Don't talk too long. And so Paul's teaching and he's going on. And then, then he gathers up the elders, the leaders of the Ephesian church. And he gives them a farewell message. And, and he helped plant this church in Ephesus. He says, send for those leaders. I got something to say to them. And he's trying to impart as much knowledge as he can before he goes back because he knows his life is gonna be given for the gospel. So he brings them in, and, and, and about verse 19, he starts talking to them, and he says, you, you know, I lived among you. I've been here for three years. And he says, I, I was serving the Lord with all humility, with tears 
and with trials that happen to me through the plots of the Jews. And so you start to see Paul saying, look, I've been fully present with you in this work. My mind has been renewed and, and I know the will of God and I know that he's wanted me here. You've seen, I've been here with tears. You've seen my heart engage with your heart with the Jews and the plots against them and all about preaching the gospel. And he's, he's given them this farewell message. He's trying to impart something in them because he knows he's leaving so they can take up the mantle of ministry. And, and, and then he goes on in the teaching, and I want to kind of get to the, the meat of his teaching when, when he says in verse 28, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. What he's saying is, look, I need you to be be on guard. Pay attention to this. There's going to be some things that are going to come in that are going to try to take away the effectiveness of the church. There's going to be these lamps that get lit that are going to try to lull you into comfort and ultimately death. And and there's five behaviors that Paul really warns the church about in the coming verses where he says, this is going to kill the effectiveness of your ministry. And and he goes on to to teach us what those are. He says in in verse uh, 31, therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. What he's saying is pay careful attention to these lamps that can get lit to lull you to sleep and you ultimately die. And the first one he says is carelessness. Remember this, pay attention to this. I've been with you. I've cared for you. I've wrestled with tears with you. And carelessness is a, is, is a challenge in ministry. I mean, we, we, we can take our responsibility in the church too lightly. I mean, it's, 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 church isn't just something we do. Church is who we are. This facility, this building is not the church. It's a pain in the rear end right now. I mean, if you walk down the Creek Kids hallway, you saw the Creek cisterns, right? We're, we're collecting water for the next drought. But we've had a little bit of challenges with our roofing. And we've got those straightened out. We've got some, some things moving. You know, the rain has caused delays for us getting some more space open. And I, I, the building is not the church. I, I thank God that we're going through the challenges we are in this facility. I'm grateful we have ghetto parking. We're working on some things to fix that. And we've got some plans coming in. But I'm thankful to be a part of a church that we're like, we got to figure some space out. Because I'd rather be a part of a church where people are being reached by the gospel and baptisms are happening. We're having to figure out parking and figure out space. Because that means the church, you and I, are engaging in what we're called to engage with. And so church isn't something we do. It's something that we take very seriously. We should take it seriously because the father put his name on it. He said, that's mine. That's mine. Jesus says, take it seriously because I paid for it with my blood. And Holy Spirit says, take it seriously because I'm the one equipping you to do this work. I'm the one giving you the power and ability to do this. Take it seriously. 
We need to take seriously our engagement and involvement in the church. He, Paul goes on. The second behavior that he says is, is, is a killer to this is shallowness. In verse 32, he says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified, to build you up. So the, the challenge is shallowness. That's a, a destructive behavior that we just want. We want surface-level Christianity, which I would say probably is no Christianity at all. Because Jesus says, I've called you to follow me. And he doesn't, he doesn't hang around the surface. Jesus gets in and gets in the mix of ministry. He calls us to the deep work. And, and, and I hear people say, you know, I just want the church to go deeper. I just want the church to go deeper. You know, I, I could come up here on Sundays and I could teach you a master level class of biblical doctrine and theology, but that's not going to take you deeper. That's going to that's gonna tickle you guys that think you grow spiritually only here. I want to grow deeper. We could, we could shorten the teaching and triple the length of worship, and some of you will be like, that's how we go deeper. More time in worship, more time to do this. And for us heart people, we're like, yes and amen. For some of you, well, serving, serving is how you go deeper. You can spend all your time serving and never grow in these areas and you're, 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 you're empty because you're doing it under your own power. You're not being built up. It's a process, whole body response. To go deeper means we learn more, we love more, we do more. We learn more, we love more, we do more. It's a process. It's not sitting in here doing church in rows to create a bunch of intellectual, heady theologians that go out and argue with every person they find on the street. It is us as the church going out and engaging with the hands and feet of Jesus Christ because he died for the world. He gave his life for us. He gave it on a cross. He bled and died. He said, I paid for this in my own blood. And the Holy Spirit says, I equip you to go and do this. You want the depth of ministry? Engage in it. Don't just sit and watch it. And we get into this shallowness. The third one, he says, is covetousness. Wanting what someone else has. That's verse 33. He said, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Covetousness means, and let me, let me put it to you this way in terms of engagement in the ministry of the church and in ministry of the body. It, it is, is we tend to go, if, if I had that, I would serve God more. If I had more time, I would serve God more. If I had more money, I would serve God more. If I, had, if, I, if I had, if I had, if I had. And the challenge is, even if you had that, you wouldn't do it. Because you've reconciled in your heart that you don't have enough to do anything now. I was talking with a friend this week, and, and we have that relationship where we can just be gut level honest and just, you know, if you would have heard this, you're like, man, they're just talking so mean and rude to each other, but we're just being honest. And we've got that relationship. It's built up so we can do that. But he said, I'm getting close to retirement and I can't wait to travel in retirement. I was like, really? How much do you, and I know him, how much do you travel now? Well, I don't have time to travel now. He's like, then you ready? Here it comes. You won't travel when you retire because something will always take up your time. If we're not serving God now, when we get what we think we need to serve God, we won't serve God. 
if I just had this, if I just had this. We start looking at what somebody else has got. I mean, pastors do it too. If I just had that building, if I just had that ministry, if I just had that congregation, if I just had that worship leader, if I just had that youth pastor, if I had, if I had, if I had. And, and we reconcile, I, I'll do ministry better when I get this. No, 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 do it. Do it now. And what, what happens is when we start into coveting other things, it leads us to the fourth one that's a dangerous, and it's laziness. Paul said in verse 34, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. These, I got on board. I was working in this. And Paul worked hard. He was a tent maker too. He, he, he's like, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make tents so I can help make money to help fund the missions that, that God's sending me on. And there was a lot of people that helped fund Paul's missionary journeys. We, we, we met Lydia last week. Lydia would help fund some of those journeys. And so Paul said, but you need to know something. I didn't get lazy with the gospel. I was working. I was working hard. And we can just, get, we can just sit back and go, man, this is comfortable. This is good. I mean, we, we, when we moved into this facility, we had two services. We run four now. God will not let us get lazy. Because the only two people on the church staff that like a room this full, the senior pastor and the worship pastor, right? Because they're like, oh, the church was packed. You were, some of y'all came in, you're like, yeah, it's hard finding a seat. I don't even want to come back. I don't get excited when our room is full. It means this. I got to do two things. I got to ask some of you, hey, Saturday night is an awesome service. 8.30 and 11.30 are awesome services. There's more room there. And then when those fill up, we add a fifth, baby, because we ain't getting lazy around here. I want that tank to get wore out. Paul says, these hands, they got in. The last one is, is selfishness. Verse 35, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. He's not saying it's less blessed to receive, but it's more blessed when we give. Because every one of us have to be in times where we can receive from God. We have to receive. If we don't receive, we can't give. And it doesn't mean I'm less blessed when I'm having to receive. What he's saying is the real blessing happens when we get our hands open and these hands are being a conduit for what God is putting in, we're handing out. He says it's not our place to go in and, and, and the poor and the weak for us to go, well, the reason you're here is this. No, God says, I'm sorry you're here. I know the way out. We don't need somebody to sit and, and, and give us the, the Monday morning armchair quarterback commentary of all the mistakes of our life. We need somebody to say, walk with me. There's hope. And we're moving on to a different place. We're moving on to a better place because God does not desire for you to stay here. His purpose and plan is not for you to die here. And when we get selfish, we just start to think, well, everything God does is for me. And let me ask you, what, what is God giving you that you need to open your hands and give to someone else? These, these what I, I would call, these are, these are the five lamps that can become so warm 
and so inviting that it lulls us to sleep and eventually the church, the ministry gets taken up dead. And so when Paul's teaching these elders, it's kind of, so what is... What does the church look like? What do, we, what do we do? How do we engage with this? I mean, Paul, he brings together this, this Ephesian church leadership and says, I'm teaching you this. Be careful. These are five behaviors to, to watch out for. And ministry should look like this. Ministry should be hands-on. And when you think about this hands-on ministry, get involved, get engaged in what God is doing. Do something with what I've given you. Start showing something. Can I, let me ask you something. Where is your hands on ministry? And who are you showing? Well, you're showing people something. But what are you showing them? I mean, are, are we showing our kids that it's really not a priority to serve God? Are we showing our kids that, that this really isn't that big of a deal? Is the carelessness lamp really that bright? What are we showing I grew up on a farm, and my mom and dad, they put us to work. I mean, if I said, I don't want to do that, she changed my attitude, okay? But I grew up on a farm, and, and we used to put up hay every summer. And man, I, I love that. I mean, still, I mean, if I, if I drive by and I'm driving through the country and they're putting up hay, it just triggers memories. I'm just happy. And some of you, I'll be well, you can come do some work on my farm. You know what? The first five minutes will be fun, then it'll be work, okay? But... <laughs> I'll come out for the five minutes of fun. But it just, it's fond memories. And, 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 and we, I used to get to drive around the pasture while we were putting up hay in a truck. You know how old I was when I started driving? Five. You're like, yeah, power wheels don't count. Let me tell you about my power wheels, Jack. My power wheels was a 1964 Dodge one-ton cattle truck, baby. Four speed, four on the floor. And so... At five years old, my dad and we go riding around the pasture. I just wanted to be close to my dad. I wanted to work with him. Anytime that tractor fired up, man, I'm on it. And, and he was showing me how to do things. You remember, guys, remember working with your dad growing up, working on the car? Hold the light, son. Working on the plumbing. Hold the light, son. Working on the Hold the light, son. You know, my dad was hands-on with things. We didn't have the money to go pay somebody to fix everything. We got in there, we got dirty, and I used to watch, and I wanted to drive this truck so bad. And he finally taught me. So my dad was hands-on with teaching me how to drive, but then here's what ministry has to do. Ministry has to become handing off. And at five years old, I go, Dad, can I drive the truck? Yeah, son. And so I would go climb up in the cab of this Dodge. And I wasn't tall enough to sit in the seat and reach the pedals. So the way I would do this, I would stand on the floorboard and put my hands on the steering wheel and push in the clutch because I couldn't get the leverage. And I'd reach up. It had push-button start. <laughs> like, that's not just a new car thing. 1964 Dodge had push-button start. It would fire up this diesel motor. I'd reach up, I'd put it in first gear, and I'd let that clutch out slowly. The truck's like, rrr, 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 and it's just going. And then finally it gets enough fuel going through it, and I just pop up in the seat. I'm sitting on my knees, and I'm driving through the pasture. And when we'd put up hay, that's what I'd do. I'd drive through the pasture behind the, the baler, and the guys would throw the hay up in the back of the truck. Ministry is hands-on, but it's handing off. What are you handing off? See, driving is fun. I love driving. But who am I teaching how to drive? 
Ministry is hands-on, and you need to be engaged with it, but who are you showing? Who are you handing off ministry to? And I'm not talking abdicating ministry, like you do it because I don't want to do it. But I'm talking delegation. Because what's interesting is Paul's teaching this to the church leaders of Ephesus, the Ephesian church. We have another letter, another book in the New Testament called Ephesians. And Paul wrote that letter to them and said, hey, I want to remind you something. In Ephesians chapter 4, he said, hey, 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 you got a responsibility. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Equip the church to do the work that the church is called to do. You get hands-on. There's gifts among you. Be operating in those giftings. And then handing off, bringing people alongside of you. Hey, watch how I do it. Watch how I do it. Now you do it. I mean, let, let, let's, let's begin this process. Paul, one of the guys with them on all these journeys, his name was Timothy. You know where Timothy ended up? The pastor of the church at Ephesus. Paul's handing off ministry. Paul's handing off. In, in, in verse 36, it says, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of, the, of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanying, accompanied him to the ship. Paul left that church in capable hands because they were willing to go hands-on and keep handing off ministry. Jesus modeled this for us. I mean, I, I struggle with my faith sometimes. I'm human, okay? I, I do. But when I was younger, I would say, God, if you would just do this big, massive sign so the whole world would know you exist. I'm praying that selfishly. I'm like, because I want to I know for sure. And one time I was praying, and, and, and I felt God say something to me when I said, if you just do some big sign, something that's tangible for the world to see. And I felt him say, son, I, I did, and I do every day. It's called the church. I've given this body called the church that has a function in the world that was bought with the blood of Christ and that's empowered by the Holy Spirit for the church to be the tangible revelation of the work and will of God to the world around us. But it only becomes tangible when we go hands-on and we can hand ministry off. You know, I, I wanna just give you some practical information about Serve Sunday. Serve Sunday is not uh, the end-all, be-all. I hope it's a catalyst for you. I hope you're serving in other places. I hope it just stirs something in your heart to continue to do this. But next week, we're gonna be out serving. And it's not a weekend off of church. It's doing church differently. Many of the opportunities we have are already filled up. Thank you for that. But we still have many opportunities left. Our Servolution teams, we still have 50 spots. 
that we need. Let me explain to you what Servolution is. Servolution is what we're going to do is come in and we're going to do yard work and we're going to do prep work so that Servolution can come in and remodel the house of a veteran or someone who's elderly and disabled that needs a remodel to have their life, their life actually functionable. And we're going to come in and do that. Men, next week, man, it's our opportunity to man up. Let's get hands on with this. Some of y'all said, well, it's supposed to rain next Sunday. Buy some rubber boots, man. It's raining. You, 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 it'll hide your tears. Dry them up. Suck it up, boys. Let's do this. I'm going to Servolution. I mean, I remember working my dad. Dad, I don't want to. Well, change you want to. Let's get out. Let's make this happen. There are people that are sitting in their homes when I don't want to do anything with the church because I don't think there's any value in it. And I'm already praying and believing God that somebody's going to be in this tank next time and they're going to say, I saw a church get out of their rows and come and get their hands dirty. And I saw that there's value in it. There's relevance in it. If you can't serve, if you can't physically do something, then let me encourage you this way. We want to blow the socks off of true worth. They need socks. So this week, you can go collect some, some gently used socks or buy some socks. I was serving at True Worth this past week with our team, and, and every homeless person I met is already worried about winter. You got socks? I need shoes. I need some pants because cold's coming. We're not thinking about that. They are. We're trying to give, bring Union Gospel Mission over 100 coats. We're doing a canned food drive for Communion Link. So, so here's some things that you could do. Parents, you could take your kids around your neighborhood, knock on a door and say, hey, I'm collecting gently used coats or blankets or canned food. And we're doing this. My, my, my church, the church, you don't even have to say the name of the church, just say the church because you're the church. We're collecting these things because there's people that are gonna need this stuff because cold weather's coming. And when your kids ask you next Sunday, Mom, Dad, why aren't we going to church? Here's your opportunity to go hands-on and show them what handing off means. Son, baby girl, hey, we are the church. We're doing church differently today. We're not going to that, that building that has the C on it. We're going to the world and we got the hope of the gospel. What an incredible teaching moment for your families. What are you showing them? What are your hands on and what are you handing off? It's time for us to do church a little differently. Before I pray, I want you to do something. I just want you to bow your heads, keep your eyes open. And I want you to stare at the palms of your hands. Because these hands are the hands that God has given you. These hands have purpose. These hands should be connected to a heart that loves. These hands should be connected to a heart that loves, that are connected to a mind that is renewed and thinks differently about the world. When you see these hands, realize that Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, through his hands, took the nails to bear our sin, to bear our shame. He went hands-on with ministry.
with what he did with his hands are the reason you and I can gather with the hope and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. These hands reflect the hands of Jesus who not only bore our sin, but defeated death, hell, the grave, and handed ministry off to us. I want you to ask God to show you the power in these hands. And I want you to come to that place where you make a declaration like Joshua did in the Old Testament. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And your declaration this morning as for me and these hands, we will serve the Lord to bring him glory and honor as long as I have breath. Father, we love you and we thank you for these hands. We thank you for the opportunity to serve, to love, to be the reflection, to be the hope to the world around us. Father, I'm praying for those in this room that have never had the courage or never even had the opportunity to say, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to save me. I'm giving you my whole body, my mind, Jesus, renew it. My heart, transform it. My hands, put them to work doing your purpose. God, I'm asking you to bring salvation to me. I'm asking you to bring freedom to me. And I'm asking you to set me in motion for your purpose. Father, we thank you for the strength that you give us through the Holy Spirit to gift these hands and to use these hands for your purpose. And we commit to you right now that we will use these hands for your glory until we draw our last breath. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at